0: things Girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing: how do we get to know ourselves? All right, welcome to Girlfriended. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt with the Girlfriends, and today we have an amazing show. Woo! We have Doctor Jeff Dodge, and uh, he he specifically said, no, 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 don't call me, don't call me Doctor. But you know, when you tell Girlfriends, oh no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> then it's like, ah, uh, huh. and and with that, uh, there are so many things that go beyond your title. So we are going to call you Jeff, even though we want everybody to know how significant we are that we know you as, <laughs> as Doctor Jeff Dodge, and and also we're going to get into. I mean your your brain. We already know from your your newest book here, um, Titus is. All about theology and philosophy and we are so much that is our lingo too. So we're gonna start out with like when you have a dish towel next to your sink, <laughs> do you think I need to get a new dish towel or it's okay that I've had this for ten years <laughs> <What's> your <laughs> thoughts
1: on that Wow <laughs> of all the questions I thought that you would lead out with. That might've ranked number 100 or
0: something. Yeah. Right? It's significant, Jack. It is
1: significant. <laughs> Random. I actually think I should do something useful with that, right? And so I don't know if I think of its age or how much it's been used. I think, oh, I should do something. Like, either put that away or use it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't throw old dish towels away. You oh, definitely no. use them for, for something. So that. That was a good answer.
1: Did I pass the test?
0: You yeah. did. You did, Jeff. All right. I I just have to say, we um, knowing you were going to be on the show, we started talking all about Paul this morning and you know the letters to Titus. And we we were getting so deep that we never went past the fact of, so what was that thorn in Paul's side? <laughs> That's how far we went. So we're gonna ask you, like what inspired you to to write this book. Give us a little bit of of background and and details there.
1: Yeah, well, I so I became a Christian while I was a university student. And ever since then, I feel like just God by his providence has kept me orbiting around university communities and universities and just love the the vibe. I especially love the fact that they tend to be, the, the communities that surround those great universities, tend to be kind of on the cutting edge of being very secular, uh, thriving with knowledge and and truth. You know, a, a lot of times you see the word veritas, the, the Latin word for truth carved in into granite, you know, in these buildings and stuff. Um, but what I love is when God's truth actually intersects with what many in the university community are holding in, in that day as fashionably truth, right? And I just love that front lines of having to just present truth, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, in a place that it's often, it, it's pretty hostile often to, to just boldly present the truth. So all that to say, Titus was actually dropped onto the island of Crete in order to help establish the church there. And Crete was as kind of, I guess, secular or maybe hostile to mm-hmm. the church of Jesus Christ as you could possibly get. So I find myself really leaning in, right? Like, what did Paul say to Titus as he's dropped in this hostile environment to the gospel? What should the church look like? What should his marching orders be? How should he get his mind wrapped around this unique environment that he finds himself in? So so anyway, that's it's a short little New Testament book, but I found myself mm. gravitating toward it for that, for that reason.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to you probably knew we were going to go deeper than dish towels because (laughs) you're in front of a bunch of girlfriends here and you're allowed to just bail out on this question. But what are your thoughts about women in in leadership? Because this has been such a uh you know i i apparently i've just found out about myself that i like actually like conflict uh so yeah, watch out jeff she's kind of bossy controlling overbearing domineering but other than that she's lovely
1: other than that very safe
0: yes, yeah very safe yeah safe place here for sure <laughs> uh yeah
1: you
0: know, i and, and you know growing up in the church, I'm the baby of six kids, and there's three girls that have all, you know, gone into ministry. And I, I can look back and go, I just kind of accepted the fact that I I wouldn't be an elder or that I wouldn't be, um, you know, up on the on the stage providing a message. I, I just it was just a part of what 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 I knew. And then when I did see women. And I was asked now to, you know, get up on stage. You're like, whoa, it's okay, men. If you want to turn around and walk away. Like I I was okay with that. And then now it's it's just, you know, when you're talking about the the difference in the culture of what is truth. So feel free to dodge, Mr. Dodge, Dr. Dodge, or accept that challenge.
1: Right. Well, here's the deal. Yeah. Truth is always confrontational, right? Truth. When it hits just the truth of the gospel hits an unbelieving world, it's confrontational virtually every day of my life. As I just opened my Bible now as a Christ follower for all these years, I still find it confronting me, transforming me, you know, uh, not just patting me on the head and letting me go on, but, but changing me. So, um, yeah, I, I know that it will often be for both, especially unbelievers, but even Christians, hard to take the truth, right? Mm-hmm. I What I, um, I think would want to say first off in answer to your question is the church has too often minimized the role of women. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, especially even in how we approach ministry toward women. So I, I get the opportunity to work with Rebecca Johnson here at Veritas Church, who is an unbelievable Bible teacher. She has done, I mean, she's just one of the most solid leaders I've been able to work with, and her big thing is Bible literacy, Bible literacy, Bible literacy over and over and over, like uh, our women, our friends here, they need to know how to live their lives as women and moms and, and wives and teachers, whatever they are. But they, ha- it has to be grounded in the Bible. And too often, her, her thing that she often says is, "Women's ministry can be too much on the peripheral and maybe on the application of things and how you should live or whatever, and not just get your nose in the transforming truth of the Bible. Let's raise the Bible literacy of women, help them to be strong in Christ and maturity, and to lead out in that way." So. So anyway, I I don't know. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I don't have the same background you did of of that experience or exposure. Um, yeah. But I yeah I love what I see going on with the women of Veritas Church right yeah. now, and can yeah. speak to that. I
0: I'm I'm very excited for the way that women in leadership. Um, what's happening finally? Mm-hmm. That um that that is taking place. But uh, a couple of things you said. About you know women ministry and it's we started out our conversation earlier talking about um, what's trite, and I didn't articulate it very well, Christette when you were like I'm I'm the opposite because as I'm getting older, some of those things are just so trite to me, and I and I don't want that to come across arrogant, but it's exactly what you just articulated in a, in a better way of how do you convey the same verses. And, and I, I, this is just an emotion that's taking place and I, you can smack me back down. I feel like we take the same verses over and over and over again. And, you know, I can do all things through Christ. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, he he knows you, the the plans for you. Uh, you know, Philippians 4, 8 through 9, like focus on those that are truth. And we don't get beyond that. And I'm talking to myself. I'm not saying, I mean, those are my verses too, right? Right. But we just kind of stay here, and it's almost like I'm tired of of listening. Like, I am I bored? Am I am I struggling in my own crisis of faith that I can hear that and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, tell me something I don't know. I, <laughs> is that? Do you, are you understanding what I'm saying? That's why I feel like I'm getting trite, and I'm going, what's going on with me? Am I getting apathetic? You're no, just getting completely. old. You're getting I, old, Patty.
1: <laughs> I think it's. I can't remember who said this first. I, I've seen it quoted different places, but this idea that the, that the Bible is simultaneously um, deep enough for an elephant to swim in and shallow enough for a child to play in. Like, in other words, um, there are places for bringing the simplicity of the truths and the promises of God to someone who is just like where, where I was, I mean, when I became a believer I had no I'd never understood the Bible never read the Bible never and so any first truth was monumental to me and life changing as you grow in Christ you need to be able to plumb the depths right you you need to be able to go beyond the the most you know basic promises of God or whatever and unfortunately I think and this is back on church leadership I think that we we kind of keep people in the shallow end right we it's almost like we don't trust them enough or we're afraid of what they're going to find if we let them go deeper or something. I don't, I don't know yeah. what would motivate that. But what I'm saying is absolutely we should not um, ever, I guess, minimize those first truths. I was I was just reading Second Peter again this morning of Peter saying, hey, as, until I have my last breath, I'm going to repeat back to you these first truths of the gospel. So it's not like those things ever get old or yeah. we get beyond them. But we also do have to go even deeper having foundationally read those promises and first truths and man any ministry any church whatever that just keeps people kind of repeating back the same handful of verses i mean you guys this is a big book (laughs) there's a lot in there and and i find myself i teach theology and even so every time i get to a new semester i I find more questions Mm -hmm. coming to the surface of my mind right like I think I've got a pretty good handle. And I'm like, oh, wait, you know, it's like Aslan isn't a tame lion. You know, God is <laughs> continually getting out of the cage and freaking me out. And I, ha- I have to run back and say, wait, what do I actually believe about this stuff? You know? So,
0: yeah. 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 And thanks, thanks for that. Um, what I heard you say is you're a calloused Christian that. Um,
1: <laughs> that's what, yes, that's life what I said.
0: Breathed into you. It's like, uh, get into God's word and maybe you don't feel that way. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah. Point point taken. Okay. So I want to dive into the elders. Uh, What are the qualifications that the elders need to meet? What expectations were put on them? Because, you know, now we live in a place where um, I know some amazing people that have gone through divorce and and not necessarily going into, you know, Matthew and they did divorce the right way, right? right? And so hit on that.
1: That's a a great question. One, I think just the idea that the first thing that Titus was instructed to do is put elders in place. And here's why, you know, in those opening verses, he talks about knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. In other words, um, truth was never going to be this kind of static thing that you just kind of put in your head, could repeat back Mm Truisms and not have it absolutely transform your mind. It was to lead and guide you into character, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, godliness that actually looks like something. So the role of elders isn't just to be good decision makers, not to tell us what to think, how to believe. It's to give us role models. I've got to look to see what, again, even back when I was first a believer, I needed to see what Christianity looked like as it was being played out with people further down the road than I was, right? Mm-hmm. So so that was the role of them. So specifically when you talk about um the the character qualifications and and one of those being that they um are to be a, a one-woman man. That's that's the like if you pulled that Greek phrase out a little bit clumsily in English, mm-hmm. um unfortunately here's what I think. I think with the qualifications Um, that would becomes one of the only ones that is this like objective, like you could just check the box, Mm -hmm. never having been divorced Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. None of the other character qualifications are objective like that. They're all subjective. You know what I mean? Like how arrogant, Mm -hmm. how (laughs) hot tempered, right? All of us are human. We all know what that means that we've got, we're on a spectrum somewhere. Mm -hmm. The point is we're all supposed to be, growing in Christ and we should be better at at bringing self-control to things like our temper than we would have been without Christ or where we were earlier. So even with the one woman man, I don't think it's just this objective should never have been divorced before. It's because you guys, we all know men who maybe are only married to one woman for life, but they are flirtatious. They are not one woman men. They are womanizers. That's disqualifying. Mm. It's not this objective. Have you only had one wife? It's mm-hmm. what is your character like? What is your heart like? Are you the devoted kind of person? So in other words, it could be a man who has never been married, but mm-hmm. his character is such yeah. that should he ever find one, he would be devoted to that one woman. It's mm-hmm. it's again, part of the character of a godly man, not so much this objective check the box thing. So Mm -hmm. how
0: do we, how do we deal with that then? Because if we're going to then go, no, let's, let's, let's unpack that. Then what about women being in as an elder?
1: Right. I do believe I am a complementarian, right? So I I do believe that there are roles that that God has for his church, especially. And so I, I don't hold to the view that a woman could be an elder based on titus first timothy um so that's right in other words i get that view of oh sorry it's getting dark in here these (laughs) the motion sensors and the light (laughs) i think
0: god might be telling you (laughs) (laughs) You you um
1: no what i was saying about the earlier thing that's not so much cultural, what I was saying about the divorce thing, that's right out of the the words of the Bible themselves that I think we have abused. Conver- so what I'm saying is I do think there are many things in this that are transcultural. Throughout the ages, no matter where you are in the world, these qualifications were to hold and be true no matter what time era or people group you were part of. And so I, I do believe that eldership was reserved for males, um, no matter where we are. And I spent a lot of time in Africa and Zambia, wherever you are, that those truths would hold. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing you say women should not be an elder. There would be other roles Mm -hmm. um, for them to go into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Jeff, just to uh, change the course of the conversation here just a little bit, we know that uh, the word of God is a sword, Uh, But how do we wrongly picture, you know, you said that the word of God is a sharper than two-edged sword. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and what that, um, you know, looks like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I actually love that passage in Hebrews because actually what what he says about the word, the Bible in the book of Hebrews is that it actually dissects me. (laughs) It's not so much it's a sword to go out and use as a weapon. It actually opens me up mm-hmm. before the eyes to whom I, I will give an account, right? And so mm-hmm. I do find God's word to be incredibly revealing. It it actually does that work of piercing through even what I think about myself, mm-hmm. right? Because I love what Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, where at one point he says, you know, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. Mm-hmm. It's the Lord who judges. You know, in other words, we can train our consciences to feel great about things that we shouldn't feel great about. And sometimes the opposite, feel guilty about things that God's like, Oh, I'm actually cool with that. So the Bible is that truth sword, right? That can actually go in and also maybe like James uses it like a mirror. I can actually see what's true, not what I'm imagining to be true Mm. for myself. And so that's why I just don't think at any place that we're at spiritually in our maturity, we can get too far away from the Bible. We need the Bible to pierce through, cut yeah. through like a knife, display who we truly are, be the mirror to show us what's really going on, no matter what we think. And so, yeah, I'm I'm a big Bible guy. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> I need that.
0: Well, it's it's interesting, Jeff, when you when you say, you know, God might be gone. Well, it doesn't really matter to me you know it's this is for you because i i feel like i'm devil's advocate today i'm just taking everything and going on the other side uh because have you ever thought when somebody's having a, a conversation i just had a friend who they're thinking about moving and she's like begging god to give her her clarity on this for her entire family and i said or what if You don't need clarity. What if God knows you can do whatever the calling is for you here or in, you know, Alaska? Like what? Because, you know, it's one of those things where people are like tormented. I don't know if I should put a pool in my backyard or if I shouldn't. And God's (laughs) not writing it on the wall. And I'm like, maybe God doesn't care if you have a pool in your backyard. Maybe that's just he gave you a brain to think it through.
1: I am in agreement. I, I love Hebrews eleven six is one of my favorite verses that um, you know God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. yeah, that God is not so much concerned that we fill in the blank with the right answer that we it's are you seeking him? Yeah, right. So in every one of those situations, I, I agree, the people that get kind of almost paralyzed in indecision because they're waiting for this divine, Affirmation for what they should be doing and, and they just feel crippled. Mm-hmm. My thing is, are are you obeying the scriptures in what objectively is just true? Do you, are you looking at the Bible and, and obeying? You're not living in hypocrisy. Then do whatever you want. Seek yeah. God. and Because the, let's say theoretically you make a wrong decision. Okay? At that point, God doesn't say, all right, well, then you're going to forever be out of my will. I want yeah. you to go right and you went left and said, so, oh, like, you're off. No, right. God takes us wherever Daily,
0: we are. daily I do that, and I still <laughs> live in God's will.
1: Right? He's the one that just graciously, say, oh, shoot, you took a right turn. Let me put my arm around you and guide you back to the path that I want you on. So theoretically, a Christian can't make a wrong decision, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. our faithful God is going to be there to bring us back even when we, we mess up and stumble around. So, okay. yeah, yeah.
0: Real quick on the wrong decision thing. And then, Krista, I know you had a question, and it, uh, it's a shocker that I would interrupt you, Krista. <laughs> uh, the wrong decision. So, what if you know that someone has made a, a wrong decision? They're um, a believer. And how, how are you with the way that we should discipline, continue that relationship, offering grace? Um, can can we unpack that a little bit? Because we went into great detail this morning on that very thing.
1: Yeah. I do think that we have to be patient with people, right? I mean, the, the, the parenting analogy is often used, you know, with God, even as our father, right? Paul even talks about this maternal sense that he has, uh, with the disciples as well. So I'm just saying we are patient with him. So to me at least, there's a difference between somebody who's made a wrong decision because they're foolish, they, you know, started stumbling around, they weren't paying attention, whatever. There's a foolishness yeah. versus the person who in a high-handed way, in a rebellious way, is like silencing anybody that would speak truth to them and is kind of putting their hand over their ears and boldly going after. So in other words, I, I bring corrective to both. But, but to the one, it's with patience and putting the arm around and, hey, let's, you know, even if it's a hard conversation, my approach is very different um, than the person who is just in a fierce rebellion kind of a way. And that's where, I mean, Paul is pretty cl- clear, like even if, if you run into a divisive person, somebody that's just coming in and their role is to divide, I just want to rip this thing apart like you warn that person once you warn him a second time and then you have nothing to do with him. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That's a Mm
0: -hmm. a
1: toxic person for, for the church. And so, but I'm just
0: saying, what if they're related to you and they are plugging their ears?
1: Yeah.
0: Then how do you deal with, they're not toxic, but they're refusing to to be accountable and to listen.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so, so difficult, especially if it's within a marriage especially mm. right because now all of a sudden you've got a to bond together with somebody who's yeah. not listening to Christ I mean that that's where now you're tapping into God's perseverance needing just to mm. persevere this isn't just a friend that you can choose to either have or not have a relationship with yeah. now yeah. you're in a marriage situation it's it's painful and it happens all the time yeah. right so yeah. yeah the patience and perseverance of the spirit is is needed in those situations for sure yeah
0: yeah. Yeah, I love your response on all of those. Um, I'm going to change it a little bit up and just say, can you share a little bit about your perspective and what Paul talks about with the false teachings?
1: Yeah. I think
0: that is something we're seeing here in our culture. Oh, I love man. to hear your perspective.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, the, the church is to be the pillar and foundation of the truth, mm-hmm. right? And so people are out in the marketplace of ideas with all sorts of teachings and whether they're under the banner of, Jesus and Christianity or not, all these winds of teachings coming through, when they come within the the church family, they should have confidence that there's truth being spoken. And that's why we believe so much in like plurality of leadership. In other words, not one person can have the ability to define exactly what truth is. They have to, I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, The words of the prophets are to be subject to the prophets, a plurality where one person is saying, here's what I believe the truth is, and other people are there to check it to make sure, because again, this is the standard, not not anybody's uh, ability to forcibly or convincingly say something, it's, does it match with what Mm -hmm. God is saying, right? And so when we find that there's somebody actually in our midst that's teaching something false, And there's like that witness of two or three others corroborating no that's unbiblical that person has to be silenced and shut down like that is imperative that the church be a safe place for truth to be proclaimed right and so if if there's ever a time to lose the patience thing and to go strong it's when there's a false teacher because Mm. god's people are going to be following them thinking they're speaking truth when they're not and the other teachers in the midst have to silence that. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, Dr. Dodge, we are having to wrap everything up right now. And there's so many more questions we have for you. So we, we need to uh, do a rain check because I want to get into the spirit of Jezebel. Would you Would you want to unpack that? <laughs> I look at the time. Look at the time. got to go. So, anyway, we just want to thank you so much for um, being on the show and go run and get his new book, Titus Life Changing Truth in a World of Lies. And thanks again for listening to Girlfriend It. It was an honor to be there. Our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.